That doesn't make sense. That is not grammatically correct. Well, you can tell that to Michael Jordan, who was the one who said this. Welcome in to Chasing Interesting. I'm Craig Hoffman. My name is Joe Girard. We are back and better than ever, folks. Uh, Craig, real quick, a quick scare this week here at the household. I was outside uh, trimming palm trees because that's what you do in California. Yep. Every day. Twice on Tuesdays. One of my AirPods fell into the pool. Oh, no. And, you know, that concerns me and a lot of people when you drop an electrical a highly expensive electrical device into a body of water so I uh, took the skimmer skimmed it right out and put it in a bag of rice and let it sit for about 14 16 hours good as new baby that's fantastic it's back that's that's fantastic it's what wait what is it Joe Fantastic. All right. Yeah, we worked that in in the first minute of the show. A gift that will keep on giving. Fantastic. I was at my friend's place down in Miami, and I forgot my AirPods were in my pocket, and I took all of them into the pool. Um, And then, ironically, the next time I visited her, I left one of my AirPods in. They survived, thank God. But then, uh, well, one of them did. It was kind of a a one-and-a-half situation at work, but there were different volume levels. It was not great. But next time I went down there, like six months later, I left one of my AirPods in an Uber. So I'm just never going to see Elise Mm. with my AirPods again. I'm going to, like put them in a suitcase that is inaccessible until I can access them. So I need another airplane uh, listening option because clearly I cannot be trusted. No. And the fact that you leave them somewhere, that is just irresponsible behavior. I left it in an Uber. I don't know. Like, I took one of them out to talk to the Uber driver, and I... Normally, I put it, like, on my ear. Like, you you know, like, old school, you put a pencil behind your ear. I do that with my AirPods all the time, and I guess it fell, and I didn't recognize it, and it was not... Fantastic! No, no. Lesson learned there, Craigie. Indeed. All right, coming up on the show today, we have a lot to talk about. We always try to keep you informed, but it seems that uh, there is a large group of powerful people that are trying to disinform you. We will talk about that. Why a COVID relief package does not seem to be around the corner. Uh, How the Pope and the Catholic Church have become more progressive than the American Republican Party and possibly the American Supreme Court. An update on a story that was pre-COVID that reminds you that Trump is terrible and the thing that people are actually spending money on these days. It's a packed show. Let's get going with important and interesting. So, Joe, we're going to start with this story that came out in the Washington Post yesterday as a jumping off point to talk about disinformation in general. So there was a set of emails that went out to Democratic voters in a couple of states. They're still trying to get a a wrangle on exactly how many, but there were two main ones hit in Pennsylvania and Alaska. And the email said that the Proud Boys, a notorious white supremacist group who has supported the president and whom the president has refused to denounce explicitly, or did in the last debate, and then half-heartedly kind of maybe did in a follow-up statement. I don't know. I'm trying to be accurate, but that's the point of the segment. It said that the Proud Boys had access to Democratic voters' information, including where they lived, and if they did not change their registration to Republican and ultimately vote for President Trump, that there would be a price to pay. It turns out, according to the U.S. government and the intelligence agencies, as headed by Trump stooges, which I just feel like is important to know for accuracy, this actually came from Iran, 
not from the Proud Boys. And I still think the story, as we record this, as we do, just a little after noon Eastern on a Thursday, the story from the intelligence side and exactly what happened here is still developing. Obviously, this is bad. We are having foreign interference in our election. It has been ongoing from Russia. Uh, Trump is trying to say that it's China and Iran, and now you might have actual uh, interference from Iran. That's all very bad, and we've known this is bad. But I would like to focus on what makes this possible because I think it's really important. And what makes it possible, Joe, is the fact that the leading source of disinformation about the American election and the American government for the better part of the last decade is currently the American president. Going back to birtherism and all this crap that Trump would spew while Obama was in office to the absolute, insanely batshit, irresponsible things he said in the last four years, the leading source of disinformation that has sown the chaos that is the field in which the foreign disinformation can grow and thrive is the president of the United States. Man, um, it really is a tall order to understand what really is going on with this news that developed yesterday. And because it's both Iran and Russia, I have just a, a whole bunch of questions. Like, are they teaming up? Are they working together? Is it just ironically random that they're both doing this um, as they're attempting to influence the election? And they are using voter data, so I, I guess they, they are getting the information. Um, and they're accusing uh, of sending fake, menacing emails to strictly Democrats demanding to vote for Trump. So, A, how does that happen? And I guess, because I, I was watching a little bit last night uh, on CNN, is that our information, our voter registration and information is public. So I guess mm-hmm. it could be done. People can go and see it. Right. But there's got to be a way where, like, not everyone from other countries can get in there and, and, and taper with it. That, that's what's confusing to me. Yeah, it, it seems like that information should be more secure, one. But you're correct. It, it is public information. Voter rolls are accessible for a price. And it seems like somehow someone from Iranian intelligence and Russian intelligence either hacked or just was able to create an account uh, of something that looked legitimate to purchase uh, some of this information in some key states. And I think what's, you know, so that is obviously terrifying, but I think the reason that it works, the reason this type of disinformation is effective is because it is believable. It is believable that the Proud Boys would email you as a Democrat and say, we're going to do you harm if you don't vote for President Trump. And it is just as believable that President Trump would hear that and go, hmm, that's a good idea, which is insane. Did you see Obama's speech yesterday, by the way, in Philly? I caught a, li- I caught a little bit of it uh, on, on highlights. I did not see the whole thing. Yeah, so his general tone in this speech is like, I cannot believe we are here. Like, what are we even talking about? Which is a lot of times our tone on this podcast and my tone on this podcast is like, this is the president of the United States. What are we even talking about? And so the idea that we have gotten to a point, and this goes well beyond the president, that we have gotten to a point where that is a believable thing. Because if you get that email, it's like the Nigerian prince thing, right? Like at this point, if you're at all savvy about the internet, like even remotely, like 10%, you know if you get an email from an African prince asking for money that you don't send the money. No one's been kidnapped. Like you know, Right. Right. But that's so that that piece of disinformation, that piece of bribery doesn't work. 
on 98% of the population. What's crazy is this is a believable thing because the president has put forth that this is plausible. What's crazy is that some of the other disinformation that Russia has put out there, all the way up to like QAnon, right? The craziest conspiracy theory on the internet that falls apart with any critical thought is believed by an unreal number of actual American citizens. And so if long ago people would just stand up and specifically, if we're being honest, it's Republicans would stand up. Like not only are we at the point where they have QAnon supporters that are a part of their caucus that are running for Congress and we're going to have in Georgia, Marjorie Green, I think is her name, a Republican who is a QAnon supporter as part of the U.S. Congress. But if they had just stood up a long time ago and said, no, this is crazy, guys, this is false, we would not be here. But they didn't want to like hurt those people's feelings and they wanted the votes of the crazy people and they were so shameless that they've created this environment that like, inst- it, it's not just something that we just kind of accept and go like, wow, I guess this is where we are, but like we expect it. That's nuts. Like, that's not okay. That's not healthy for democracy. It's not healthy for a nation. And what's crazy is that people who have previously publicly supported the president, uh, who have been aware of this, are now coming forward uh, and saying totally different things, like Republican Ben Sass. Hit the f- the way he kisses dictators' butts. I mean, the way he um, ignores that the Uyghurs are in literal concentration camps, and he hasn't lifted a, a finger on behalf of the Hong Kongers. I mean, he and I have a very different foreign policy. It isn't just that he fails to lead our allies, it's that we, the United States now regularly sells out our allies under his leadership. The way he treats women and spends like a, a drunken sailor, the ways I criticize President Obama for that kind of spending, I've criticized President Trump for as well. He mocks um, evangelicals behind closed doors. His, his family has treated the presidency like a business opportunity. He's flirted with white supremacists. That's from some leaked audio where Sass was talking to some constituents, and it's not even good for them politically. That's the crazy thing is long-term, this is hurtful, and guess who knows it? Ben Sass. I don't think the way he's led through COVID has been reasonable or responsible um, or right. And I'm worried that if President Trump loses, as looks likely, um, that he's going to take the Senate down with him. I'm now looking at the possibility of a, of a Republican bloodbath in the Senate. The debate is not going to be, you know, Ben Sass, why were you so mean to Donald Trump? It's going to be what the heck were any of us thinking um, that selling a TV-obsessed, narcissistic individual to the American people was a good idea? It is not a good idea. And so the solution, Joe, is to vote. Luckily, though, because we were going to get jump into this, is that early voting has really, really taken off um, in record numbers kind of across the country. I heard a number that Already, 22 million people have voted early and sent in ballots, which is just remarkable. Uh, Texas uh, early voting is coming in super strong, stronger than ever before. Um, you know, so there's there's definitely a movement. People are super aware. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily it's good or bad for each candidate, which is fine. Like, let, let's get people. The fact that people are voting and, and mm-hmm. eager about this election, I'm all about that. And I think you would agree. Hundred percent. You know, people are hungry to do it. People are willing. They're paying attention. 
and they want they want to see they want to be involved with you know this election and democracy. You know, even even sports venues. You know, because you know, of course, the World Series is going on. We'll talk about this later. But like some major sports venues, like Dodger Stadium and Fenway Park, Anaheim, where the Angels play, they're taking these stadiums and turning them into polling locations where people can go and and help and and get involved with the voting process and people can go and vote there i think that's really cool i think it's you know and even lebron's doing a big thing and he's really standing up for for voting change this year so a huge amount of, uh, of of people of different communities are coming together for this for sure. And LeBron, through his organization, More Than a Vote, deserves a ton of credit. Uh, and the, the folks that work behind the scenes at More Than a Vote. LeBron was obviously in charge, but uh, was a little busy, you know, winning a, a championship as a basketball player uh, in the bubble down at Disney World. But he had set up the infrastructure so that the folks at More Than a Vote could work with local municipalities all around the country to have these massive places where people can go vote and specifically vote early um to to double click on what you said about texas the winning number of votes that donald trump had in 2016 in texas that number which is obviously more than half of the total votes that were cast in texas in 2016 there's already been more than that in just the early voting right now we don't know who those votes are for but it it tells you that we're on pace for a record-setting number of votes Um, And that's great. You want to always continually up the ante. Democracy works better in terms of being more representative if more people participate. It just it just that is simple math. That is how democracy was designed. Uh, An uninvolved and uneducated electorate is going to produce outcomes that are undesired by the most number of people. So this is great. And And I also think it's it's an indication that people are taking the warnings about the pandemic seriously. People don't want to be inside cooped up or even outside cooped up in line on election day. So they're voting early. They're voting by mail and they're taking serious the fact I think Trump actually in his effort to sow distrust in the post office actually wound up helping accidentally because people are mailing in their ballots early. I certainly was one who was like, I'm not waiting till the last second. I'm going to get my ballot in now. You did the same thing where you're like, I want to get my ballot in now because I know the post office is overwhelmed and I know there could be problems and I know it could get backed up and I want to make sure my vote is in with enough time. And this is, there's so many organizations that are, that are doing a great job with this, including Vote Save America. Thanks everyone who listened to the interview with Juliet last week, but who, who are saying like, Hey, in your state, if you get your ballot in early and there's an issue, they'll contact you and you have a chance to fix it. So just, I think in general, as a country, we have a much better understanding of the voting process this time around. And that has created, and obviously there's a lot more people because of the catastrophe that our country has become, uh, that there's just a lot more people interested in the process in general. And that's why you're seeing this, this massive turnout. Yeah, no, and it's beautiful to see, man. It really is, across the country. And we're less than two weeks away. And it's going to be interesting. I don't think we're going to have a winner night of because of so much early voting. Um, and some states won't even vote, won't even start counting until day of on election day. So so here's the thing with that, that that's really interesting. So most of the key states that we're going to be waiting on, we, I, I did this research yesterday when we were on our, our prep call, right? Most of the key states that we're going to be waiting on can actually start counting mail-in votes earlier in the day on election day. Some not until the polls, polls close. But the question is going to be, how? what percent of the mail-in ballots are in on election day? Like in Virginia, they can start counting already. We're within two weeks. They start counting. 
people like me have already voted in. Same thing in, in California where you are. They're already counting ballots in California. But if the rule is it has to be postmarked on election day and 20% of the mail-in votes don't go out until election day and they're postmarked and we're waiting another three days for them to get in, it's going to be impossible to call these states. But if a high percentage, which seems like is the case that a lot of people that are voting by mail are vo doing it early, we might have enough of the vote in that we are not waiting for a couple days. Dave Weigel, the Washington Post said on a podcast I listened to, Love It or Leave It, this weekend, in an interview with them that he thinks we'll have a winner by 11 o'clock on election night, the way the polls are going right now. But then again, the polls are eerily similar to where they were in 2016. Now, very different set of circumstances. 30% of the country has already voted, um, or 30% of the expected turnout has already voted. You know, obviously, we feel like we've corrected some of the polling errors from 2016 that caused us to miss so badly in states like Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. But right now, the polls suggest that Biden is going to win and win handily. And the way it turns out, we might actually even know that on election night. That would be awesome. That would be something instead of this, you know, dragging this thing on. And then who knows how what's going to happen after the after we have a, a winner where that where that's going to go. Right. We, we get to start that scary step in the process sooner. Hooray! Continuing on important and interesting, Joe, COVID cases are on the rise in Europe. This is pretty concerning, and I think it's a good reminder for us here in the States that despite what the president says, uh, this thing is far from over. And in fact, actually, the American numbers are really bad right now as well. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, U.S. hospitalizations are at the highest level in five months. So that's not a good thing. Um, like you said, um, Europe really uh, still in the thick of things. Argentina hit one million confirmed cases. Ireland is implementing its strictest uh, restrictions for six weeks. The U.K. in the same position. So it's we're still in this heavy for sure. And I think even though it's good for our mental health that I think a lot of us have adjusted to this quote unquote new normal, it does create a level of comfort a little bit dangerous for the virus because people get careless. And we just have to remember this thing is far from over and that we must not get careless. Hey, uh, bonus do good in the middle of the show. Go get your flu shot. Ooh, I forgot about that. Go get your flu shot. I'm going today. Good for you. I'm not going to do it. You're terrible. I am standing strong. Why are you not going to get a flu shot? Um, every time I've got it in the past, I would actually get sick, um, like a lot of people. Um, and I don't know. I just I just don't feel good about it. I, I take a lot of vitamins uh, regularly. I don't eat meat. I drink a ton of lemon water. Um. Look, Do you I realize how insane you sound when you say that out loud? I don't eat meat. I drink a bunch of lemon water, so I don't need to get the flu shot. That's what you just said. Listen to scientists. Listen to doctors, Joe. I am big brothering you right now. Joseph, go get the freaking flu shot. Dude, you sound like my mother, not my brother. I sound like my mother, too. It's, she's only asked me 17 times in the last two weeks. Meanwhile, actual good news out of the Vatican? Yes, the Pope has said same-sex couples deserve to be in civil unions. He did not use the word marriage, but really if we're talking about the separation of church and state, this is fine with me by Pope standards. I will take this as a positive step because it's not about whether or not the Catholic Church will marry uh, Bob and Barry. It is about whether or not they can get the requisite 
privileges that married couples get from tax purposes. Purely looking at this from a civil matter, this is great, but also a stark reminder that the American Republican Party, and by nature, their nominees to the Supreme Court, who when confirmed will make the actual Supreme Court more, if you want to use the word conservative, fine. I prefer heinously unfair than the Vatican and the Catholic Church on gay marriage. It is a strong step forward from the Vatican, uh, from Pope Francis. Great to see that. And I agree with you. I'm a little concerned if Amy gets in, which could happen at any moment now, but she would face just a swarm of criticism if she were to go backwards, Craig, instead of remaining to go forwards. That's it. I say we nominate Pope Francis for the Supreme Court. Hey, Joe, remember when President Trump was terrible before COVID? I feel like we've forgotten about that because we focused so much on how he's been terrible with COVID. Uh, but there was perhaps the lowest point of his presidency pre-COVID was his child separation policy. And there was an update you saw yesterday that is um, I, disheartening, doesn't even begin to describe it. Heartbreaking, just it's brutal, man. Um, and, and I think it's important to remind people that this is about a lot more than just this pandemic. And there's a lot more that's still going on. Yeah, that they have not resolved this. So the parents of about 545 uh, children who were separated at the U.S. border uh, still can't be found. They don't know what's up. Uh, a court filing in uh, U.S. right groups revealed this information this week. Uh, of course, the separations were carried out in relation to uh, President Trump's zero-tolerance policy towards uh, migrants who illegally crossed the border in 2017. Not good, dude. No, and the best possible outcome here is obviously parents and their children are reunited, but even if that happens, there's potential long-term ramifications from the trauma that these kids have undergone. Also, the adults and, and not knowing if their kids are okay and safe and um, you know, maybe the next best outcome is, is again, they find a loving home to, to get adopted into here in the U S and they go on to be meaningful contributors to our society, which is all they came here to do in the first place. But even then they've, they're separated from their parents. Like you had families ripped apart. It's just, it's hard to describe like how heartbreaking that is. And if you can't feel that on a human level, you are othering these parents and children, these are human beings ripped apart. Think about what that would mean if, if all of a sudden you tried to go somewhere for a better life and you never saw your parents again. And for 545 kids, that's exactly what we're talking about. All right, wrapping up important and interesting. This was a, a good flag by you. People are starting to spend money again, but maybe not in ways that you'd expect. Yeah, this is really interesting because people, a lot of people are losing jobs, a lot of people are still unemployed, but eye surgery is up during the pandemic. One of those, well, I got time for it, might as well activities. People are going out, getting their LASIK eye surgery, getting it done. It takes a few days, maybe even a few weeks for the recovery and to kind of get back to 100%. And since people are working from home or not working at all, they have the time. Also, another point, because I do wear glasses. You know, your glasses fog up when you wear the mask. So people might have been tired of the fog in their eyeballs. I get that. Word up to that. Do you have, do you have foggy glasses frequently, Joe? Yeah, I'm back and forth between contacts and glasses. And when you put the mask on, it, the fog hits the, hits the lens. 
I feel I mean, I've had that issue with the the blue light glasses that I wear. Um, so I believe you, Joe. You can you can take a deep breath. That's that's what's up. Okay, that's yeah. how we live. I just like that you say contacts with a heavy Boston accent. <laughs> the contacts, dude. Hi, welcome to my lawn. The segment where we complain about not as serious stuff. Joseph. Yeah, and as a talent manager, when I read this story, I'm like, what in the world is this? So a local news anchor in Boston, she was fired because she made a a cameo in uh, the new Adam Sandler movie that's on Netflix now. But she she made a cameo. She was dressed as Harley Quinn. And the news station fired her because of this cameo. She goes on and writes... I understand why management unfortunately chose to terminate me. I am deeply saddened, and I hoped this would not be how things evolved. Now, I guess she did a breach of contract, and a lot of these contracts, if you're a news anchor, you can't do other media stuff, I would guess. But, dude, I mean, that's just... What's up with that? It's such weak sauce from the station up there in Boston. It's an excuse to get rid of her. Like... This does, if they think she's amazing, they don't do this. This was an excuse to cut a cost, and that cost also has a human attached to it, and this is a really shitty thing to do. I get that you want your news anchors to be like nothing but news. We are serious news anchors. I'm a newsman, right? But like, the reality is, most of these local news stations have their anchors do wacky bits all the time. Uh, they are real humans, and I think there's value to humanizing people and putting them in part of your communities. And while, yes, your everyday human doesn't get to be in a movie, don't cu- this this young lady, Elena Pinto is her name. She's 28. And, and how does she not get to do cool stuff like that's amazing they should be celebrating it they should be like hey this yeah. is amazing let's let's interview elena about her job no they took the opportunity to be like haha we can cut a cost during the middle of a pandemic and put someone out of work cost them their health insurance and uh yeah but here's the good news for elena pinto if she's talented she'll get hired again i agree and she's getting a lot of press from it so i bet anything uh she will land swiftly from this Good luck, Elena. We here at Chasing Interesting are rooting for you. And to the station in Boston, fuck you, dude. (laughs) And now, sports and what people are watching and not. Joseph, you have the details, sir. Well, here's the deal is that during the pandemic, a lot of the sports stuff got canceled, got pushed, got postponed. And um, some company came out with an actual uh, diagram of what the sports viewership trend has been and how low it's been going as far as certain sports. So, for example, the Stanley Cup final was down 61% this year, uh, which is a big number. Um, U.S. golf, the final round of the U.S. Open, down 56%. NBA finals down 50% this year. That is huge. That's a big number. Uh, Kentucky Derby down 43%. Um, the Major League Baseball Divisional Series, down 40%. Now, we don't know. The World Series is currently happening. We don't know those numbers quite yet. Um, the Major League Baseball Regular Series, down 26%. Um, by the way, what's up since the pandemic? Not much. Um, the PGA Championship Final Round was up 3%. The WNBA Finals, up 15%. These aren't really big numbers, but it is something. Um 
and the PGA Tour, not the majors, uh, and strictly CBS, was up 17%. So uh, not exciting uh, for these uh, sports brands and these networks with these uh, declining numbers um, this year during the pandemic. Yeah, I think there's a huge, huge confluence of circumstances. And to simply say this is because of the pandemic is actually not looking at it deep enough. Don't get me wrong. The pandemic is the number one factor here. The pandemic and the t- specifically the time shift of the NBA finals moving out of June and into football season, for instance, is, and the same thing with the NHL, is an enormous player. But the pandemic itself is causing people to be concerned about other things. The election, this always happens in election years. People are watching other stuff. So yes, we are locked in our home with nothing to do. That means like some of the summer month stuff and the last, this last bit of warm weather, people are going outside. I will admit, Joe, I watched zero football on Sunday. Not a snap. It was the first time and I don't even remember how long that I've watched none. Even a couple weeks ago when I spent most of the day not watching football, I watched the Sunday night game. No, I literally watched zero football on Sunday and then watched a little bit of, of one of the Monday night games. But I just, I wanted to be outside. I wanted to soak up the, the sun because I know that once we go back inside for the winter, like we're really inside for the winter. It's not like we can go to, to places indoors with our friends and do our usual winter things because we can't leave our houses because of the pandemic. So you have that plus the election that people are watching coverage of instead of watching sports, the time shift. There's just a lot of factors here. And if I were a sports league, I would be concerned, and look, the NBA, for instance, has been concerned about ratings on the decline for a couple years now in some of their big events, but the fandom seems to still be there on a large level, so it's just, you know, times are changing. How people consume information is changing. How people consume games is changing, and this year was just the weirdest confluence of circumstances that I think have shifted things. I will say, though, there was one league who grew by like 500%, Let's go NWSL, my league. People watch the Challenge Cup uh, and people watched uh, the fall series. So that's exciting for us that that women's soccer in a, what was going to be a huge year for us uh, going into what was supposed to be an Olympic year coming off a World Cup year, that people still were interested in that. So I feel, I feel very good about that, but I, though I hope the other sports leagues can figure out whatever ailed them. Plus, here we are at the end of the year. Not a lot of things sports-wise after the World Series are going to be happening. So... Uh, you know, we got to stop finding some other hobbies. I'm taking up knitting. I always had you as a knitting guy. Respect. Fantastic! Look good, feel good, do good. Joe, what are we watching this week? Well, look at Tonight is the big one. It's the final debate. Here we are. Ugh, new we rules. have to? Yes. There's new rules out there. They're going to... Uh, the committee, the debate committee, going forward with muting the candidate's microphone when they are not speaking. This will be interesting. So they're going to give each two minutes of uninterrupted time. Now, here's the catch to this is that they're only, what, six to ten feet away? Trump can still interfere. He can still get in Biden's head. So that will be interesting to see if he actually still does that. We won't hear it. You can mute my microphone, but you cannot mute me. Joe, I know you hear me. Stop lying. You are full of it. Sleepy. Joe, are you even awake? My microphone is not awake, but I am awake because I am the best. That was really good. So there you go. So will he actually refrain and show a little courtesy? Who knows? That's tonight. 
9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific. And he also will still be able to interrupt Joe Biden like I just accidentally interrupted you, except for he'll be doing it on purpose for the remaining 11 minutes of each 15-minute segment. Ugh. Which is why I'm not watching. Like, one, I've already voted. So, like, what's the point outside of the sideshow? And two... Like, I'm just going to get angry. Pete Buttigieg had a great tweet the other day. He goes, wouldn't it be nice to see the president and have your blood pressure go down instead of up? Yes, I can't wait for that. I, I'm not, there's no reason to watch this debate. Yeah, but aren't you interested and in, in curious on the entertainment value of it? It is going to be entertaining, no? No. This is actually, I don't know if it's a uniquely American problem, but it is an enormous American problem. Politics are meant for entertainment. They are supposed to be boring. Politics are supposed to be C-SPAN. Politics are supposed to be where stuff gets done for us by public servants for the American people. And it's not about entertainment. This shouldn't be entertaining. This should be a boring talk about policy so that we can decide the important distinction between the candidates. But the honest to God truth is we already know where these two stand. Like, if you, and the way our current political system is, if you don't know what team you're on, you're not paying attention, nor do you have the comprehension skills to really understand what's going on, or you are extremely conflicted on something that is like, you know, oh, I'm anti-abortion. Abortion's the worst, but I know Trump's a disaster, and which one is more important to me? And like, I guess that's one way to be undecided, but at the end of the day, like, if you still need this debate to decide then like, what the hell? I mean, I don't want to say that because I don't want to be like demeaning to people, but seriously, like, how have you not accidentally paid attention enough to know? And also, no, entertainment value is not something that should be a priority in a debate. I get it, but no, I am not interested because this is real. As Barack Obama said yesterday, this is not a reality show. This is reality. Feel good. Hey, uh, next weekend is actually Halloween. Now, some folks are going to partake in activities and take their kids trick-or-treating. Um, some aren't. Uh, a lot of local officials are, you know, uh, warning people just to um, be be respectful of others who don't want to partake and, and obviously continue to keep your distance, continue to wear your masks, you know, all that stuff. But here's the other thing, okay, about the, the, our feel-good this week is the damn candy, folks. Look it. A lot of people have not exercise or been working out or been doing their thing like myself or Craig have all summer. So they might've put on a few extra pounds. They're not as, as active as they want to be. And now Halloween around the corner, Sure, put us on a pedestal, Joe, this will go over. Well, how what Halloween around the corner, you're going to be in taking a lot of candy because it's in the house. You're going trick or treating with the kids. Just be aware. That's all I'm asking with the Snickers and Reese's and Charleston Chews and all the rest of them. Counterpoint! Do not deprive yourself because it's not good for your mental health. One mini candy bar is not going to kill you. Have some candy. Enjoy it. You want to be like 80% with your diet because that 80% is sustainable. If you try to be 100%, 100% of the time, you're going to wind up falling off the wagon and it's not going to work. So yes, do not gorge yourself on Halloween candy. But also don't be afraid to have a mini Snickers. I agree. Because you're hungry. I Why agree. wait? <laughs> have a Snickers. 
Do good this week. This podcast is powered in many ways by NPR. Not officially, just that's where Joe and I get a lot of our news. I listen to Up First every single morning, and NPR is in the middle of one of their donation drives right now. It is arguably, along with the AP and Reuters, the single best, unbiased, down-the-middle, fact-based, thoroughly reported news source that exists in this country, and frankly, around the world. And it's publicly funded. So there are private financers, uh, people who support NPR at a corporate level, but a lot of what NPR does is able to happen because of everyday citizens who make donations to their local public radio stations. And so that's why if you've been listening, Joe, like you and I have to NPR, you've heard them saying like, hey, donate to your local NPR station. And so our do good this week is simply that. Donate to your local NPR station because it allows all of us to be more informed. And just as importantly, once you get your information, you fill out your ballots, mail those in as soon as you can. What are you waiting for at this point? Christmas? That actually would be a stupid thing to do because Christmas is after the election this year. Exactly. That's it, and that's all for this week's show. Appreciate you listening to Chasing Interesting. If you liked it, then make sure, if you are not already, that you are following us on Spotify or subscribed on Apple Podcasts. We heard uh, there's some Google Play fans out there. We are available there as well. Stitcher, basically anywhere you find podcasts. Wherever you're listening to it right now, obviously it's available. Just subscribe right there. Rate, review as well. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter and Instagram, at Joey Gerard. I'm at Craig Hoffman on Twitter, at Craig underscore Hoffman on the gram. Joseph, parting wisdom for people this week. Do you have any? Craig, limits, like fear, is often an illusion. This is Chasing Interesting.